0: All right, Acts chapter number 6, where we're going to be tonight. I'm not going to have you stand uh, for sake of time, but I do want to read some verses to you tonight. um, And then we'll kind of recap where we are this evening and uh, get back into it tonight. Acts chapter number 6, starting verse number 1, it says, In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called a multitude of disciples unto them uh, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the sayings pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Percurius, and uh, Nicnor, and Timion, and Perineus and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, who they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and uh, and a great company of the priests were obedient The faith. I want us to look back here where it says in verse 3 Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, I understand this is where uh, seven deacons are chosen. This is where we start uh, hearing about deacons and uh, different things like that and how uh, they chose out. And there's some qualifications that had to be met as they were choosing out people to do this. But I'm going to preach something and apply it. If you'll just uh, bear with us tonight, I will give you the context of what's going on here. But we are going to uh, also use some application tonight uh, to uh, apply it to our lives. We're going to preach a message tonight entitled Spirit-Filled Men. That's what God needs, right, It's Spirit-Filled People. And uh, that's not just men, but it's women alike, children of God. God needs us to be spirit-filled. And we're going to talk about that here. That's one of these qualifications that it said, and I want to apply that to our life. That's not just for somebody who wants to be a uh, a deacon or a disciple, but all of God's children ought to be full of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we're going to talk about that this evening. Let's pray, Lord. We love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house tonight. Lord, I ask you, please, to... uh, Lord, just hide me behind the cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you use the message this evening to uh, stir our hearts and encourage us and help us and help us to learn, Lord, what it is that you would have us to know. And, uh, Lord, may we uh, just apply this word to our hearts. And, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you tonight, and we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in this passage of scripture, uh, we're uh, coming off of where, remember, we just talked about how uh, Peter and all those had been beaten, and they've been threatened, and they've been told that you listen, you ought not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. You can't uh, talk about what you've been talking about because too many people are believing you, and they're leaving what we're trying to do, and uh, it was ruining those Pharisees' uh, uh, method and all the stuff that was happening there. It was it was ruining all those false priests and those uh, teachers, all the stuff that they were preaching. They were preaching Jesus. So you got to stop all this stuff. You can't preach Jesus. Why? Because Jesus changes people. You can't preach that anymore. And uh, they threatened them and they beat them. And then they left rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer for the Lord. And I thought, man, what a blessing that here we are after verse 42 of this. It says, and daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ so here these uh these apostles were just beaten they were just told they can't preach anymore in the name of Jesus they can't uh uh, talk to people about it but they left out of there rejoicing in the fact that they were counted faithful to suffer for the Lord and it said and then guess what they didn't stop preaching and uh teaching in the name of Jesus it said and then daily and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ I believe what they did brother Ron is they just turned up the heat a little bit They said, you know what, we got beat, we got threatened, we did this, here we are. Satan, you better get ready, because we're turning it up even more. And uh, they just went to every house, ceasing not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. But then, any time you begin to do something for God, there's going to be murmuring and complaining. Anytime you begin to serve the Lord or begin to see people saved and begin to preach the word of God and the gospel's going forth and lives are being changed and people are getting right with God and they're starting to do the things God's telling them to do, you're going to have people that begin to complain. And in this passage of scripture, it said that uh, uh, then the 12... Uh, Actually, let's start there in verse number one again. It said, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring among the Grecians and the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. You see, in verse 42, it said they uh, went to every house and ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And when when they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ, what took place? It multiplied, didn't it? More people began to uh, get on board with what was going on. More people began to trust Christ. More people began to go forward for the things of God. More people began to trust the Lord and all of those things. And it said, and they went and they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And then uh, as they were doing that, there uh, arose a murmuring of the Grecians. Once the church began to grow and more people began to get at it and all those things, people began to murmur and complain. And it said the widows weren't being taken care of. Now listen, I'm all about taking care of widows. We ought to do that. Uh, I think that if, if we have widows that we ought to take care of them and we ought to do that stuff. But you know what was really taking place here? It wasn't that the widows just needed to be taken care of. It was they were just grumbling and griping because they wanted, they didn't want to have to do it. They wanted somebody else to do it. And the fact is usually the person that's grumbling and griping most of the time is the one that's really not willing to do the work. They just want to tell you what's wrong with the work that's being done. They're the type of person that says, "Hey, preacher, you know what? We need to get more people saved. We need to see church grow. Well, where are you? Are you witnessing? Are you winning people to Christ? Are you doing those kind of things? Well, that's not my job, preacher. That's what you're here for. You know those kind. Of, that's kind of what I'm seeing uh, in this passage as they're murmuring and complaining. You know, they're saying this. Listen, our widows are being neglected. All the stuff's not. Yeah, the church is growing. All this stuff's happening, but the church is getting too big. We can't have this many people because we're, our, our needs aren't being met. They're being neglected here. And listen, I don't think that we ought to neglect widows. I don't think that at all. I don't, uh, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I think we ought to take care of those that, that are widowed and do our best for that. But basically what happens is people begin to start looking at things around saying, well, this needs done and this needs done and that needs done and that needs done. And we get a lot of finger pointers, but we don't get a lot of foot uh, people stepping forward and putting their feet to what needs to be done. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, he that sees the need takes the lead. And the fact is, sometimes when we see a need that needs to be done, what are we quick at doing? We're quick at murmuring about it, aren't we? We're quick at grumbling about the things that need to be accomplished and all the things that need to go forward and the things that need to get done. But we're not willing to put our foot forward and actually get involved and get it done. You know, I believe in the bus ministry. I believe in children's programs. I believe in outreach. I believe in all the things that we have in our ministries here at this church. I believe in our Stonewall Haven outreach. I believe in all of it, but the fact of the matter is, if we're honest about things, in most churches today, there's 10% of the people doing 100% of the work. And uh, a, a lot of the times, you have people that come to church on Sunday morning, and the only thing they're good at doing, really, other than attending church on Sunday morning, is telling the church what needs to be done. And how it needs to be accomplished. And that's what's really taking place here. Is These people are saying, these Grecians begin to murmur saying, Hey, our widows are being neglected. Well, I have a question. Why weren't they taking care of the needs of their widows? Why weren't they doing that? And listen, I, uh, the, the preachers now are saying this. Listen, we can't leave the word and go serve tables, not that there was any uh, less of a, uh, uh, of a need there to take care of other people, but the fact is, they said God called us to preach the Word. We need to be able to focus on those kind of things, and we need some people that are uh, Holy Ghost-filled that are going to step out there and do some more work and get the job done. See, we have a lot of people uh, today that in our churches that are just content with sitting in the pew and not doing anything. You know, I'm glad that we have people here that are, are good at going out and working and getting things done. I'm glad that if we have work days, guess what? People show up and they help. I'm glad we have people that are willing to say, Preacher, something needs to be done. Can I help out and do this? Can I help out and do that? But guess what? There's more things that need to be accomplished. There's more work that needs to be done. And I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, we had some things that uh, needed to be done. The preacher was talking about some of those things that needed to be done. And uh, Brother Nick, they looked at me and they said, well, aren't you doing that? And I said, well, I'm helping with this and getting this. Well, don't we pay you to do all that stuff? And they began to talk about just because I was a paid staff member that I was supposed to do what God told every believer to do. And I begin to think about myself, hold on a second, just because we pay somebody at a staff member doesn't negate our responsibility to do the work that God's called us to do. God's told every child of God to go out and to be a soul winner. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's told us all to, uh, to be holy as he is holy. God has commanded us to do that. It said, but they were, they were grumbling and they were griping about this. Uh, and, and it said, uh, because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the, 12, uh, then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. They said, wherefore, brethren? Look you out among you, seven men of look what they say, honest report. You know what they said? Somebody who's got a good testimony. I want, I want you guys to choose out. If you're if you're concerned about this need, here's what we need is we need somebody who's not just gonna say, oh yeah, I'll do a job, and then they don't show up. I'm not talking about picking out somebody who's going to say, well, preacher, I think it needs to be done, but I'm not really going to do it with all my heart. No, what they're saying is you need somebody that has a good testimony. They have an honest report about themselves. But then they went on and said, not only do they have a good testimony, but they're full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. It said, whom we may appoint over this business. See, there were some qualifications here for people that were doing the work. The disciples were saying, listen, we don't need just anybody getting involved in the work of God. We need somebody who's willing to be filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Listen, God can use anybody who's willing to be filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Anybody can have those attributes. Anybody who is submitted to God, who's a born again child of God, that's the first step of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, by the way, is you got to be saved. You can't be filled with the Spirit of God unless He's living inside of you. But when you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, He says that you need to be someone of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. And I begin to think about that. I wonder if those are the qualifications that are set forth in our service for the Lord, would somebody choose you? If we were to say, hey, this is what I'm looking for, is we need somebody that's of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, to to take this this ministry and to go forward for the things of God, I wonder would somebody say, hey, guess what, you ought to choose them. That's the testimony that that person has. I wonder if we look in the mirror, would somebody be able to say, hey, that's the testimony that we put forth. And I begin to think about the names that are here, those seven guys that they they, they came out. Guess what a testimony they had. What a testimony those guys had that, listen, people looked at them and said, they have honest report and they're full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom. And I thought, Lord, would that be the testimony of our churches today? is that god can go through and when he's looking for somebody to go into the harvest and to be a laborer for him he finds people that are uh that are uh have a a good testimony about them they're of honest report and they're full of the holy ghost and of wisdom he said whom he may appoint over this business they said but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose stephen and a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. See, after verse 7, it begins to talk about Stephen and the life of Stephen and how Stephen made a lot of people mad because of his stand for the Lord. If you remember later on in his life, they even stoned him and he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. I mean, what a testimony this guy has. And it says that he was full of faith. He was full of faith. Verse 5 there, it says, A man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. I wonder what a testimony he had full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. As I was looking at that, I began to, this week, Brother Guy, as I was studying through this, I began to actually look at myself in the view of this. Lord, am I one of those type of people? Am I someone that's full of faith? Am I someone that's full of the Holy Ghost? Am I someone that's full of wisdom? And guess what? You can't do that for me. That's something I have to do for myself in a relationship with God. I have to go to the Lord to gain wisdom. I have to go to the Lord to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, what do I do to be filled with the Holy Ghost? I follow the attributes of the Holy Ghost, which are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness temperance all of those things ought to be evident in a born again child of God why because the one who lives inside of you who indwells inside of you those are the attributes to which he has and if we are walking in the faith if we're full of the Holy Ghost love is going to come out of us joy is going to come out of us peace is going to come out of us long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance all of those things are going to come out of us why because the one who is controlling us has those attributes you say, well, preacher, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost? I just told you how. Are you full of love, joy, peace, that long-suffering, that gentleness, that goodness, that faith, that meekness, that temperance? Well, how do we get wisdom? The Bible said, "To well, him that hath wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not. But guess what? Wisdom uh, is is something that comes only from God himself. If you want wisdom to know what God wants you to do in your life, you need to go to the word of God. You need to study the word of God and get the mind of God in things. When Philippians 2, where he said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, I said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How do we develop the mind of God as we have it in the pages of Scripture from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one? 21 You have the mind of God right here. The reason we never get the mind of God, Brother Arthur, is I believe this is we don't spend time in the mind of God. We don't spend time trying to find the mind of God. And we wonder why we're not full of wisdom, why we're not full of the Holy Ghost, why we're not of honest report. The fact is, as I was going through this, I don't believe that this is just a standard that ought to be done just for uh, the deacons in the church. I believe this standard ought to apply to every child of God. I believe that, yes, they chose out seven men full of honors report to help them in the work. To say, hey, there's other needs that need to be done. And guess what? As a church grows, the pastor can't do everything. The deacons can't do everything. The Sunday school teachers can't do everything. It takes a group of people to get the work done and going forth. You heard Brother Guy even say it again tonight. Many hands make light work. You know, when we begin to go forward in the things of God, the more people pulling on the rope, the more work that gets done. And we need to have a group of people that get it done. And I don't believe that this ought to be just things that are are qualifications of a deacon or somebody that's just going to help serve and minister in the church. But it talked about the disciples of the Lord growing, the church growing. All those things were growing. Why? Because they were preaching Jesus. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You say, what should we do, preacher? Preach Jesus. Well, if I teach Sunday school, what do I talk about? Jesus. If I do a bus route and I'm going to try to have a program for the kids, what do I talk to the kids about, Jesus? Well, preacher, what what, what am I supposed to say if somebody asks me uh, why I'm different than them because of Jesus? You preach Jesus. It's all about Him. It's not about you. It's not about me. I'm nothing but a wicked, vile sinner that's saved by grace, and the only reason I can ever accomplish anything is because God allows me to through Him. That's the only way we can ever do anything. We ought to have wisdom. It said the work of God increased. And as the work of God increased, guess what? Servants increased. When the servants increased, the work increased. The work increased, more servants came. Did you see what it said? They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And then guess what? There was more people added to the church. Then guess what happened? Murmuring came. Ripe and clean. Complaining came. You know what? There's a lot of people that want to uh, enjoy the the fruits of labor, but they don't want the effort and what it takes to get the work done. I heard Pastor Sexton preach a message one time. Said, "Keep the ox and clean the crib." He talks about the verse that says, "Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of the ox." Listen, if we're going to have ox, if we're going to have ministries, if we're going to have things, guess what? There's gonna there's gonna be some things that need to be done. The more bus kids that come in, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have more trash around this place. We're going to have more broken things. We're going to have things that that end up getting messed up. But guess what? They need to be in the house of God, learning about the things of God. And we can say, you know what? Let's just keep the peace and let's just not have all this stuff come in. We don't want all these troublemaking little kids coming around here. But they're troublemaking kids because they don't know the Lord. And we need to be out there doing more work for them. Guess what, if somebody comes in off the street and they don't look like we do, they don't act like we do, they don't talk like we do, we ought not to run them out of church and say, hey, you can't come because of this. They need Jesus and they got to come here to get him. The fact is, we want to see the fruits of it. We want to see God's house full. But guess what, if we're going to do that, we're going to go in the highways and hedges and we're going to compel them to come in and we got to be full of the Holy Spirit of God. And aren't you glad that God found you where you were? And that somebody was willing to tell you about Jesus. And man, I'm sure we could go around this room and we could give testimony tonight of how good God has been and what God saved you out of and where He brought you from to where you are today. And that ought to make you shout and rejoice and want to stand up and wave your hand to the Lord and say, praise be to God that I'm not what I once was, but we can be filled with the Spirit of God, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom of God in our life. These servants increased. Why? Because of prayer and humility in their life. They humbled themselves. They had wisdom. They had a relationship with God. Listen, as it increased, I would love to see a church packed to the seams of people wanting to come hear the word of God. But you know, more than seeing uh, quantity in a church, I would like to see quality in a church. I'd rather have five people on fire for God than 500 people that could care less about God. The fact is, five people that love God can turn the world upside down. Twelve men did it. If, imagine if everybody in this room tonight just said, Lord, I'm going to be full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be of honest report. I'm going to have wisdom in my life. I'm going to have the wisdom of God. Imagine what God can do if we just submit ourselves to him. If we just humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. I began to think about when they said, hey, we're going to choose out seven men of honest report. And we're going to be continually to uh, we're going to stick continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word It's saying in the saying, please, the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen. You know what? I think this is a good thing, Brother Arthur, but I'm a little troubled that the people didn't say, well, I don't have to choose anybody else. I'll do it. I'll serve God. What? I don't need to pick seven others. Lord, I'll I'll go. Lord, you don't have to choose from just those seven people. I'll be one of those that'll serve you. See, a lot of us like to say, well, guess what? You know what? Uh, we need this done. We'll let them do it. Let those people go serve God. Hey, let those people go to a mission field. Let those people go out onto a bus route. And you say, why are you talking about bus route? Because I'm so sick and tired of people thinking that bus kids are lesser of individuals because they come from a broken family fact of the matter is, bus kids are people Jesus died for. That's what they are. They're people that Jesus died for, that he shed his precious blood for, that he wants to see grow in the things of God. And if we don't go get them and bring them to church, they're never going to gonna think of all that false doctrine. They're going to hear about the, uh, the, the, tr- the lies of Satan rather than the truth of God. If we don't go out and we get the people that are the drunks on the streets and the, the, the drug addicts that are living a life of emptiness, Satan's going to go get them. Fact is, he's already got them. When we say we're going out soul winning, you know what that means? Winning them is not just seeing them saved. I'm so glad for our discipleship class that we started this week. Praise the Lord for it. We ought to never quit discipling people. It says in this that there was more disciples growing. The number of disciples were growing. You know what that means? That means that there was people reproducing other servants for God. Not just people who got saved. If I were to take one of these little babies that had just been born uh, from either um, Andrew and Marcia or Brother Nick and Miss Sam, and we set that baby up here, guess what? The baby really wouldn't know what to do other than cry if it got hungry. The baby really wouldn't know anything to do. Now there's life in that child. It has the ability to eat, but that baby needs somebody to feed it. That baby needs somebody to guide it. That baby needs somebody to direct it. And there's not a person in this room tonight that if they saw a young child like that would leave them sitting there by themselves with no help. Not one person in this room would do that. So why is it that spiritually we see people saved and we leave them for the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and all the other people to go get them? Well, guess what? I want them to Christ, but guess what? We're going to let somebody else indoctrinate them. We're let somebody else teach them. We're let somebody else do this work in them. No, he tells us to go and, and, and win them to Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. We ought to be discipling people. Seeing them grow, but you know what it's going to take? You can't teach somebody something you don't know. I think that's why we don't disciple today. I really believe that with all my heart. I believe the reason that discipleship is kind of uh, obsolete in our churches today is because we don't know what the next step is. We're still babes in Christ. We're still ones that haven't matured spiritually. And so we're afraid to tell others what to do because we really don't know how to guide them. We don't know what to do to help them. See, that's why we ought to hide God's word in our hearts. We ought to know it. Why? We ought to. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It guides us along the way. It shows us our direction and which way we ought to go. There's times that when I was a youth pastor, I used to ask the young people. I would come up with names in Scripture of different people that aren't as well-known as others. And I'd ask them, say, hey, have you ever heard of this person? And they look at you like, nope. Never heard of them. I mentioned the name Dorcas one time in scripture. People were like, who's that? I mentioned Bildad in the Bible. They're like, who's Bildad? Now listen, I understand just not knowing who Bildad is doesn't make you less of a Christian. But the fact is there's a lot of other people that I could name that have nothing to do with God. And they know exactly who they are because they've been taught it. They've been taught who they are. The fact is we ought to be teaching the word of God. The whole counsel of God. They ought to know why we believe what we believe. They ought to know that salvation is by grace through faith. That you can't work your way to heaven. They ought to know that it's eternal life and they shall never perish. They ought to know that baptism is is by immersion, not by sprinkling. They ought to know those kind of things. They ought to know that uh, I don't have to confess my sins to a priest. That I confess them to the high priest. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. They ought to know those kind of doctrines. They ought to understand those kind of things. They ought to be able to go out and tell somebody else how to go to heaven and see them grow in the things of God. And they ought to be able to start winning others and bringing them and showing them what they're supposed to be doing. But we can't teach them something we don't know ourselves. That's why when he said, seek you out seven men full of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, there were seven of them that got chosen to do that. I wonder if that was what God said. And God said, listen, I'm looking for somebody to make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Somebody that's full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody who's uh, full of wisdom and the Holy Ghost and has a good report among men and is full of an honest report. I wonder, would he choose you? Would you be chosen? Or are we lacking in those areas? Is there some things we need to work on? Lord, here am I, use me. See, God can use anybody who's available. God can take those uh, unlikely and unorthodox people and make something out of them. Remember Peter at the gate called Beautiful and John? They told that man, get up and walk such as I have, I give to thee. And he got up and walked. and they went in there and they looked at him and said, they're ignorant and unlearned men. How can it be that all this stuff is happening? See, they understood those guys, there's no way. That those guys could do that. You're right, they can't, but Jesus in them can. And you know what? There's a lot of things that you and I can't do. We can't win Martinsburg uh, to ourselves, but we sure can win them to God. You say, what are you talking about? We can't go in our strength and our power and see revival take place in our city and in Shepherdstown and, and Shenandoah Junction and all the other areas surrounding us. We can't see revival take place in our own strength and our own power. But if we preach Jesus and we're full of wisdom and the Holy Ghost and honest report, guess what's going to happen? It's contagious. People are going to get saved. Why? Because God blesses it when we labor for Him. I read a poem that I want to read and it was pretty convicting because oftentimes we're good at pointing the finger at others and saying hey you know what they're inadequate to do this they're inadequate to do that we like to be judge jury and executioner a lot of times I said i was shocked confused and bewildered as i entered heaven's door not by the beauty of it all nor the lights or its decor but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp the thieves the liars the sinners the alcoholics and the trash there stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice next to him my old neighbor who never said anything nice bob who i always thought was rotting away in hell was sitting pretty on a cloud nine looking incredibly well i nudged jesus what's the deal i would love to hear your take how'd all these sinners get up here god must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? God, give me a clue. He said, hush, child. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd be seeing you. The fact is, before we're quick to judge somebody else for what their lifestyle's like and how their walk with God is and all this stuff, why don't we look in the mirror and do a self-examination, say, am I full of wisdom? Am I full of the Holy Ghost? Do I have an honest report? Is that of me? Because guess what? You can't teach somebody else to have that if you don't have it. And I think we're going to be shocked about people that are going to be in heaven one day. You know what? They're not limited to their, uh, their religious affiliation. You say, what do you mean? There's going to be other people than Baptists in heaven. You understand that? Because it's not by which religion they chose that gets them to heaven. It's who they put their trust in jesus but you know what is sad is people that have put their trust in jesus have been deceived because people who have the truth hold it back and don't teach the truth listen we need to choose us out people that are going to say lord i'll be full of wisdom and the holy ghost and of honest report and god guess what i'll just preach jesus everywhere i go and we're going to hear murmuring we're going to hear griping we're going to hear complaining but you know basically what the preachers were telling them if there's something that needs to be done don't just expect the preacher to get it done why don't you step out there and do something about it why don't you get busy in the work why don't you do something for the cause of christ and you know what rather than murmuring and complaining maybe we just say lord here am i use me I see something that needs done, Lord, and I'm willing to do it if you'll give me the strength and help to do it. You'd be amazed what God will let you do if, he, if you just said, Lord, here am I. Use me. You'd be amazed what, what life you would experience and the things that God would, would bring across your path. The miracles you could see take place. If you'd just be willing to say, Lord, here am I. I want to be one of those. I want to be a spirit-filled person. Somebody who's spirit-filled. See, if you're saved in this room, you've already got the key to being spirit-filled. Because the one's living inside of you. But oftentimes, he just doesn't come flowing out of us, brother guy. Why? Because we're not stirring it up, just as Paul told Timothy. Stir up the gift that's in you. Why? That others may see it. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what it's about. I believe we can see revival take place. I haven't, I haven't reached that time in my life where I feel that God's done with revival. Because I believe it can happen. But it takes a bunch of people that are willing to humble themselves, pray, seek God's face, and not try to live for God and for the world at the same time. That's why that verse says, seek my face and turn from their wicked way. That's what repentance is. That's what it's all about. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I did and I'm turning away from it and I'm striving to do the right thing now. Not living in that and putting one foot in church and saying, here God, now give me the best of both worlds. That's not the way it works. But revival can happen if we'll humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from our wicked way. That's God's promise. He says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Faith Baptist Church, our land needs to be healed. It needs healed. Just listen to everything that's being said, all the things that are going on right now, all the turmoil that's around us. Our land needs healed. And the world's not going to heal it. The president's not going to heal it. The Congress, the Senate, none of them are going to heal it. The only thing that's going to heal it is God's people that will humble themselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn from their wicked way. Then God says, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Why don't you just be spirit-filled tonight? What's what's between you and the Lord? What's stopping you from being spirit-filled? The Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. See, we ought to have those things, be putting them off, putting them off, putting them off, getting rid of those things. Why? That we can be spirit-filled. We need to let the water of the Word cleanse us each day so that we can press on for Christ and see other people added to the church and coming to know the Lord and that God's house may be full. Why? Because we're winning people to the Lord. Not just seeing them saved, but so they know Him. But they can't know him if we don't know him. My challenge to you tonight is get to know Jesus. Get to know him personally. Not just for salvation, but after your salvation, just snuggle up to God. He says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. If you'll seek me, guess what? You'll find me. Just go after God tonight. May we be spirit-filled when we leave this place of honest report, full of wisdom that's not just qualifications of a deacon that's qualifications of a child of God let's have that testimony that hey they have been with Jesus they have been with Jesus head bowed eyes closed